Okay, so that we can be more together. You have to move, yes. Because okay. He seems to think that you and I have are made of made of greenbacks. Well, okay, okay. Well, we are going to do our second session in talking about spiritual gifts, and we're going to get into a little more definition. And contrary to what Bill thinks, I'm going to teach out of the Fire Bible for a good number of the definitions, just because I think it sounds less formulaic and campy. I mean, if you want something easier to do, I uh, easier to remember. I can probably do them as the divine enablement for such and so on, and it's kind of heady, but I thought if we could get into some of the spiritual part of that, that, that may work better. Is that okay? Copacetic? Okay. Okay, so um, we're going to start. Someone want to pray us in? Huh? Does someone want to pray us in? You can? Okay. Amen. Okay. I wanted to start with one thought. We we mentioned on Sunday that Kathleen, who had been with us for at least the last several months, um, passed away, went to be with Jesus, which is anyone's celebration. But as we were talking about spiritual gifts, I just want to share some things that maybe we didn't necessarily all know. <clears throat> Catherine was in her 80s. She... Uh, came from a different kind of background. I mean, not necessarily, not necessarily like church background, but type of church, type of worship, whatever else. Um, her spirit was continually, she would enjoy if we sang all the old songs, and she really enjoyed it the one Sunday that we, that we did and uh, when, you know, the other, other members weren't here. She enjoyed that, but she was constantly reflecting how she enjoyed worship, how they were 
uh, beautiful songs, how, you know, whatever it was. The other part that I want to lift up is on the Saturdays when we would have the grocery giveaway, she had reflected she wanted to be of help. She wanted to be, be of use somewhere. And really the only thing that, that she could do was, you know, not, she couldn't, you know, bag groceries and everything else just because of getting around. So her position for two times was to sit and open up bags. Now the first time, she couldn't open them fast enough for us to be able to do it, which was not a big deal. We got an hour and that it doesn't take an hour. So the next time she came early, we fed her breakfast and that was, that was great too. We got to have some fellowship. But then she went and started about 15 minutes before we did and started opening those bags so that, she, so that it was ready. And I want to reflect as we're talking about spiritual gifts and serving, I can't think of anyone that really exhibits more because, because no one gave her a spiritual gifts inventory and said, here are your things, and, and she, she was waiting for, for just the right thing to come along. She took anything. If there was anything that she could do, she would do it. She hosted the, the women's thing so that she could be a host for that. And as, as we go along, I want you to just think in the back of your mind some of the things that we've said for that, and I want you to think of how in Catherine's life that was exhibited because she's, she's got better things to do now than, than, than deal with uh, the likes of us. She's, she's singing songs to, to God, sings of praises, but I want us to think of a testimony of what her life was like in dealing with spiritual gifts that she probably never had the opportunity to be able to put, put a, a marker on and it didn't matter. So I want us to, to always have that thought too. Okay, we're going to talk about, out of two sections... Uh, there are individual gifts, and the others are ministry leadership gifts. I want you to kind of think of that, and then we're going to go back to the actual curriculum here for those last four that we talked about last week that, aren't, that, that weren't like all lumped together. And I'm going to try to summarize these, but you know I don't talk short, so good luck to me. Okay, and we're going to presume these are out. If you remember the scriptures, I can go through them again, but otherwise... We're just going to go through them one at a time. The first one it lists is a message of wisdom. Uh, this is a message of practical insight and guidance directed by the Holy Spirit. Practical. It's not, it's not all the, the $20 words. It's, it's practical, okay? Its aim is to apply the truth of a promise, command, or other directive revealed in God's word or to express the Holy Spirit's wisdom about a specific situation or problem. It is not, however, the same as having godly wisdom for daily living. Developing and exercising true wisdom in daily life comes through prayer and is the continued study and application of God's word. Okay, so we're going to spiritual gift of, of a word of wisdom separate from the, day, the, the true godly wisdom that we're, we're all supposed to cultivate. Got that? Okay. The message of knowledge is the second. This is a statement inspired by the Holy Spirit that reveals knowledge about people, circumstances, or biblical truth that likely would not have been known or understood apart from God. Its aim is, un, is usually to provide guidance to help confirm a decision or to expose something that is important for a person's spiritual development. 
it is often connected closely with prophecy. Okay? So these are going to work together. Yes? So, so the idea is, is, is God's spirit is imparting knowledge upon us outside of, outside of you know, just things that we can learn. We're supposed to study. We're supposed to do that. But this is a, this is a supernatural expression of that. Okay. Okay, the third one is faith. Now, this is not referring to saving faith by which a person first accepts Christ and turns his or her life over to him. This is a special, supernatural, or exceptional faith that enables a Christian to believe God for extraordinary and miraculous things. We talk about that a lot on, on our Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings of, of believing that, that God is going to deliver according to God's word and that, that there is no real basis for why we have that particular faith in that place, but, but God's spirit enables or imparts that particular type of strong faith. Uh, there's sometimes when I feel very inadequate for people's situations, but God uses that as an opportunity to really impart faith from me to them as a, as a means of doing that. And it doesn't, I always say there, there's times on a, on a Sunday morning or any other time to, to be preaching, I can't tell you where that came from. It just, it, it flows out. And there are sometimes, that, that's probably my most, the, the, the best part sometimes of preaching or dealing with people or whatever is not knowing where it comes from and knowing that God really used it in spite of the fact that I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> right. And I'll say overall, openness is probably the, the biggest theme that goes through any of this, is when, when we are open to it, God can do miraculous things. God can impart gifts that you don't naturally have. And that's where a lot of these, these gifts have come in, that I've been able to see them exhibited through, uh, through the last several years, not because there was anything greater to me. It was the fact of being open to things like speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and giving and those types of things. So an openness to it 
I think is one of the, the greatest tragedies that the, the Christian has these days is an, is an unopenness, a, set, a, a sense that everything has to be explained out and, and, or can be explained away. And I think an openness to whatever God wants to use us for just blows the doors off of whatever that, that we could possibly do or imagine happening. And there's nothing wrong with order, right? Th there's nothing wrong with order because it, if we're always haphazard, that it, it's it's difference between daily living. Our daily living should be ordered. It should be a, a sense of that there is an intent, and I and I'm going to use the word intentionality. I use that a lot in, in ministry places. If we are intentional about something, we are pursuing it. We are we are actively looking at ways to do that, and that's where if we talk back a, around. Methodism and Wesley and all of his his people in the the holy holy club or holy society is this idea that that they ordered their days so that they were focusing upon God in a in a certain orderly way, but also open to what the Holy Spirit would do through that. They were setting at times specifically to be open to it. So okay, um, and the final uh, let's see, uh, it is it, this again faith. It is a faith that moves mountains and is often found in combination with other spiritual gifts and expression, such as healings and miracles. Um, and, I w and I want you to hear a lot of these are tying together. The these, are, th these are sort of like when, when um, David was talking, and I, if you read the, the devotional from Sunday, there is a sense of everything flows together. It is not, it is not nine, nine um, fruits that do that it was i really liked his his illustration of having a rose bush which produces four you know three or four different types of, of rosebuds it's because there is something in that the same spirit produces that fruit in that and they are all connected and together in that one spirit so that's that's where we're going to see a lot of this is tying together and that's why in, in scriptures it says by the one spirit by the by the same spirit by the same spirit by the same spirit all of these are connected one to no, to another Okay, the next is the gift of healing. These gifts are given to the church. Say that with me. They are given to the church. There we go. <laughs> to restore physical health by supernatural means. The plural gifts indicates healing of various illnesses and suggests that suggests that every act of healing is a special gift of God. Although gifts of healing are not given to every person in the church in a unique way, all members may pray for the sick. When the gift of faith is present and operating, um, the sick will be healed. The healing may also come as a result of obeying the instructions of James 5, 14 through 16. You can look that up yourself. Um, and, and you're hearing that gifts, uh, the plural. This is not like you have the gift of healing. You have there are gifts given to us as the church for the for the benefit of the church to heal. Okay. The f the fifth is miraculous powers. This is probably the freakiest for anyone else outside of that, and really kind of kind of fun at times. These are acts of supernatural power that change the normal course of nature. They include acts of God in which the power of the kingdom is revealed as it overcomes Satan and evil spirits. 
that's it. I wanted to share, there was a, when I was, I was in a really weird place, um, not like phys physical location, but like mentally and otherwise emotionally. And I'm not sure where it came from because my faith had really taken a, a beating at the time after my wife had passed away and was in a church in a family I shouldn't have been in, but we're going to digress from that. But there was a family that grew up around uh, a friend of mine that I went to grade school with. And so they knew him, and I got to know them and whatever. Their oldest daughter had come down with, with something. She was basically, a, in one week's time, she had gone from being being happy-go-lucky and getting ready for school and everything else to all but being crippled. And for several weeks, there was, there was no improvement. She had gone to doctors. She had done everything else that came along with this. The, 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 and the more I sat there, the more I felt like, like God was continually kind of pulling this. And I, and I was basically all but throwing ministry to the side. It's like, I, this is about me, this is about, you know, my growth and everything else, and I'm trying to get better and whatever else, and God kept doing this for a couple of weeks, and I walked up to her, um, her name was Amanda, I believe, and I walked up and I said, I said, your parents know a friend of mine, and I said, and like, yeah, we know, okay. I said, God for the last two weeks has been gnawing at me to pray for you. I know you don't know me personally, could I pray for you? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And so we, we prayed, prayed for healing, prayed for, for guidance, for doctors, whatever else. Because at that point in time, this whole miracle thing was not coming. It was, it was like, I just felt like God wanted me to pray to give comfort or something else. I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I was just trying to, trying to find faithfulness in that. And the next week, she was walking around like nothing was wrong. And that was probably one of the, the biggest shocks to my faith was to realize that in something I didn't realize was even possible or didn't believe was possible at that point suddenly was very, very real. And that was, so, so when we talk about miracles and whatever, there's going to be a lot of people outside, they don't have to believe in the miracles. If, if you believe that, that God's calling you to do something, God's going to work the miracles through us. Amen?
I'm going to try to be better, and I'm going to go through these. If you've got comments, we'll take comments, but I'll try to stop commenting because that just means we take more time. So we're, I'm going to take myself out of the comments. Prophecy is the next one. That's the sixth one. We must distinguish between prophecy as a temporary or momentary expression of God's spirit and prophecy as a ministry, gift of the church. As a ministry gift, prophecy is given only to some who must then function as prophets within the church on an ongoing basis. The gift of prophecy mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 is a periodic manifestation or an outward expression of God's spirit that is potentially available to every spirit-filled Christian. Concerning prophecy as a spiritual gift, prophecy is a special gift that gives the Christian the ability to deliver a message or revelation directly from God under the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is not the delivery of a previously prepared sermon. In both the Old and New Testament, prophecy is not simply a or mainly a foretelling of future events. Instead, it involves proclaiming God's will, i.e. his desires and plans based on his character and purposes, and challenging and encouraging God's people to do what is right and to remain true to God. The message may expose the spiritual condition of the heart of a person who hears the message or offer guidance, encouragement, comfort, warning, or judgment. The church should not ignore the fact that some prophetic messages can be false, not of God. The Bible warns that false prophets will enter the church and try to deceive Christ's true followers. This means that the gift of prophecy must, be, must not be viewed as being on the same level as God's authoritative word as revealed in the Bible. For this reason, all prophecy must be tested for authenticity and truth. This involves considering whether it is in agreement with God's word whether it promotes godly living and whether it is delivered by a person who is truly living under God's, under Christ's authority and leadership. Prophecy offer, operates under God's will, his desires and purposes, and not the will of humans. This means that the true prophetic messages are initiated by God and incur, occur when and how he desires. The Old Testament never suggests that the church actively sought revelation or direction from those claiming to be prophets. Neither did those recognized as ones used by God in the gift of prophecy speak messages of their own choosing. It is a gift of God, as a gift of God, prophecy was given to the church only when God initiated the message. And I want you to think back when we were talking about testing spirits or testing spiritual things. All of that, all of that comes in. I, I think God's really kind of laid that out why we did these in a certain order because anything that anything that comes from these needs to be in agreement with God's word. Because if we simply say, oh, that sounds good or whatever, sounds good is not good enough. That sounds right is not good enough. If you, if you want a clear example of that, when, when Christ was tested in the desert, Satan was throwing out close to that. He was throwing out known scriptures and used them in an inauthentic way. 
the word is not just the word. The word is the spirit within the word as well and needs to be in agreement with all of God's, God's scripture. Does that make sense? We always have to test what is, uh, what is being offered to ourselves and otherwise. And that's, that's, again, where we go back. Is this something Jesus would say? Is this something that agrees with God's word? And we have to question it when something comes up because we as, we as Christians don't want to be giving out our word either. I mean, our, our spirit may say, hey, we want to give out that word because it will make us look good. But I don't think I want to be in a place where, where I'm saying, hey, I'm, I'm prophesying and it's my word instead because I don't trust me most of the time. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. God was doing one thing, and, and Pharaoh was was having something replicated that that looked like it, but wasn't wasn't in the same place. Okay. Seven is distinguishing between spirits, and I want you to understand discernment. Discernment as a person, discernment as of the of the word of God and whatever, is not the same as distinguishing between spirits. All of us have the ability to discern. That's a God-given gift. We all have it. Even non-Christians can have it. Let's just say you can discern, you can evaluate things and figure it out. Ha- distinguishing spiritual parts is, a, is the spiritual gift. Uh, the gift is a spiritual, special God-given, spirit-given ability to properly discern and judge prof- prophecies and to distinguish bet- whether or not a message or spiritual expression is from the Holy Spirit. The Bible warns that during the end times, false teachers and the misrepresentation of biblical Christianity will greatly increase. Making this gift, making this gift will be extremely important for the church. And that's the, the one thing that I think if, if God can impart within us and we have the openness to it, we can, we can discern a lot of the garbage that gets thrown in in the name of God and throw it out because it's not it's not in keeping with God's word. That is so crucial, and I, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing I could hit at this is it has to agree with God's word, and if it is not, if it is the slightest bit off, if it is the slightest bit egocentric about us, it needs to be cast out. That's how, how Satan's going to use things. Okay. Speaking in tongues... Speaking different kind of tongues, we'll kind of shorten this. Uh, concerning tongues as a supernatural expression of God's spirit, the following must be considered. Tongues must be an existing language or, or a language unknown on earth. Sorry, maybe, not must be. Maybe an existing language or language unspoken on earth. When this gift is operating, such speech has not been learned and is not usually understood by the speaker or the hearers. Speaking in tongues involves the human spirit and the spirit of God. They work together as one so that the believer communicates directly to God, praying in agreement with God's purposes and desires. Basically, the speaker communicates directly with God. Yeah, with God. This can involve praying for oneself or for others under the influence of the Holy Spirit in a way that goes beyond human understanding. When the gift of tongues is used in the church congregation, it must be accompanied 
by a spirit-given interpretation that, that communicates the content and meaning of the message in, an under in understandable terms to those present. The person who delivers a message in tongues should also pray that he or she can interpret it for the congregation, although another Christian who is present may also be prompted by God's spirit to give the interpretation. A message in tongues and an interpretation may, be, may contain a revelation, knowledge, prophecy, teaching, challenge, or encouragement for the congregation. We're going to just skip to interpretation of tongues. This is a spirit-given ability to understand and communicate the meaning of a message spoken in tongues. When interpreted for the congregation, a message in tongues can inspire deeper worship and prayer, and prayer or it can serve a purpose similar to the gift of prophecy. The church body can then participate in and respond to this spirit-inspired revelation. In this way, interpreted tongues can be a means of encouraging and building up the whole congregation. The gift of interpretation may be given to one who speaks in tongues or, or to someone else. Those who speak in tongues should also pray also for the gift of interpretation. Okay, any questions on that? Okay, we're going to skip to the ministry ones. These are a little shorter, kind of. Okay, apostleship. Uh, the term apostle is applied to certain leaders in the New Testament. The noun apolos, apostolos comes from the verb apostoleo, which means to send someone on a special mission as a messenger and personal representative of the sender. In the Bible, this generally refers to individuals specifically called, commissioned, and given authority by Jesus Christ to be his representatives by proclaiming his original message and establishing the church. The title is used of Jesus, uh, his 12 disciples, and others. Um, apostleship is a unique sense. The term apostle is often used in the New Testament in a special sense to identify those qualified as spirit-inspired witnesses to Christ. These witnesses are those who were personally commissioned by Christ to deliver and confirm his original message and help establish the church. In this sense, the apostles would uh, typically refer to Jesus' 12 core disciples, including Matthias, who replaced Judas, and Paul, uh, following his supernatural encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. I want to add in here that there are a lot that believe that this is um, descriptive. This is a descriptive gift to those who were in the first century church and is not beyond. I don't think that's entirely correct. I, don't th I think there are certain things where, yes, it is descriptive because of their specific roles, but given that it is one of the, the spiritual gifts that is given through Paul and beyond, it is not just about those 12 or those 13 or 14 that were included. It is something that takes on a different meaning into us, and that's, again, proclaiming the word, you know, uh, building the church up, pro providing it, what I would call, I guess, as, as church leadership, church development. I, I, did, I started a, a doctorate in, um, in small church development or small church ministry, and basically it was to be, be able to help people to be able to develop the church. And I think that's, that's a, a true statement within the, the definition of apostleship is being able to proclaim that in order to, to grow the church. That's why, they, that's why the apostles had their, 
their specific purposes for that. That was their purpose. They were no longer disciples learning things. They were growing the church and, and doing that. Okay. The next one is prophets. And we kind of hit that on, on prophets. Let's see the next one. Evangelists. In the New Testament, evangelists like Philip were godly ministers who were gifted and commissioned to, by God to proclaim the gospel of spiritual salvation to those who did not know Christ. Evangelists helped to establish new ministries and Christian works in cities and among people who needed to be awakened to faith in Christ. When proclaimed properly, the gospel always, always carries with it the offer and power of spiritual salvation, which is the opportunity to receive forgiveness for sins and to enter a personal relationship with God. Um, the evangelist is essential to God's purpose for the church. The church that fails to support the ministry of the evangelist will bring fewer people to Christ than God desires. It will become spiritually stagnant and lacking in growth and effective outreach. In contrast, the church that values the gift of the evangelist and continues to grow in their deep desire and love for those who do not yet know Christ will communicate the message of salvation with great power and effectiveness. I want you to see that this is a there are people that have the spiritual gift of evangelism and there are those in the rest of the church that are called to support the evangelist. They're, they're basically, again, it is a ministry leadership gift. They are put in a position of leadership in order to lead the church into doing this. This is not about they go to different places and they talk about Jesus and whatever else and everyone flocks to them. It needs to be supported within the church as well. Does that make sense? Okay, the next one is talking about pastors, and this is what we're going to identify as shepherding. So this is not just pastor or pastors. This is a gift of shepherding, bringing people in, taking care of people. Pastoral care is what would probably be a, a closer term for it. Uh, pastors are those whose God-given ministry, gifts, and calling cause them to devote themselves to oversee and care for the spiritual needs of a local congregation. They are also called elders. The pastor must exercise leadership in the local church 
and be an example of moral purity and sound teaching. The pastor's task is to help believers grow as a body under the headship of Christ and to develop, to help develop, equip, and prepare them as individuals and as a church to fulfill their God-given roles of Christian service. A pastor's ministry includes communicating God's word through accurate preaching and teaching and comes against, coming against false beliefs, ideas, and teaching. The pastor must do his or her best work to ensure that all people under the care, under their care, remain true and responsive to God's message, work, and grace. Their task is described in Acts 20, 28 through 31 as safeguarding the original New Testament truth and God's people by watching out for deceptive beliefs and false teachers within the church. You hear how that's also part of that, that discerning of spirits in there as well? Kind of keep, keeping those out. Um, pastors function as shepherds, uh, caring, protecting their flock, the church of which God, Jesus is the good shepherd. And that is their model. Okay, and then we got teachers. If there's any of these that we've missed, there's other ones, but we'll go over them. So if you, if you look at these and go, we didn't cover this one, let me know, and we'll cover that one too, because these were these were flagged as they were all together. But I think I missed them. Teachers. Teachers are those who have a special God-given gift to clarify, explain, and communicate God's word in order to build up the body of Christ. The spiritual task. Sorry, the special task of get. The special task of teachers is to guard by the Holy Spirit's help the message of truth given as a trust to them. Um, they, are to, they, are faith, they are faithfully to point the church to biblical revelation and to the original message of Christ and the apostles and to help equip God's people for the work of ministry. And the primary purpose of biblical teaching is to promote, preserve truth, and to produce holiness. I think that's probably the, the best thing I could say for that. So, okay. Yes. Oh. Yeah, you can go get something to drink. Oh, I'm fine. My my brain my brain's the the problem. My my voice is fine. <laughs> no, I'm I'm good. Okay. Now those four that we talked about after the rest of them here. Let me see if there were any that I missed. Okay. Some of these were, were very short, so I cut them out otherwise. Um, and these will go much easier quicker. Faith, giving, Jeez, helps G. Sorry. Don't mind, don't mind me. We got these. Okay. So these are the official ones. We're just going to hit some of these. So we're going to hit them. Um, administration. The gift of administration is the divine enablement to understand what makes an organization function and the special ability to plan and execute procedures that accompany, excuse me, that accomplish ministry goals. People with this gift develop strategies or plans to reach identified goals, assist ministries to become more effective and efficient create order out of 
organizational chaos, manage or con coordinate a variety of responsibilities to accomplish a task or event. Make sense? Okay, D is craftsmanship. And this was the one that was out of the Old Testament. The divine enablement to creatively design and or construct items to be used for ministry. People with this gift work with wood, cloth, paints, metal, metal, glass, and other raw materials, make things that increase the effectiveness of others' ministries, enjoy uh, serving with their hands to meet tangible needs, design and build tangible items and resources for ministry use, work with different kinds of tools, and are skilled with their hands. Now I'm going to throw in, Bill does a, a job. I mean, he, he's been an electrician, he's got a lot of knowledge, whatever else. I think the way that Bill operates, it very much hits that, that serving, that spiritual gift, because I'm sure that you could learn a lot of things, but Bill seems to have a supernatural ability to really use that in other ways beyond that. So Now, of course, if Bill comes up with none of those, then I didn't say this, and we're going to go on. Okay. Um, <laughs> creative communication, oh. Uh, e is encouragement. I like this one. The divine enablement to present truth so as to strengthen, comfort, or urge to action those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. People with this gift strengthen and reassure those who are discouraged, challenge, comfort, or comfort others, excuse me, confront others to trust and hope in the promises of God. Urge others to action by applying biblical truth motivates others to grow, emphasize God's promises, and have confidence in his will. I personally think that this and faith go pretty well hand in hand because a lot of times that's really what brings some of that encouragement too. F is about creative communication. The divine enablement to communicate God's truth through a variety of art forms. People with this gift use the arts to communicate God's truth develop and use artistic skills such as drama, writing, art, music, dance, etc. Use variety and creativity to captivate people and cause them to consider Christ's message. Challenge people's perspective of God through various forms of the arts. Demonstrate fresh ways to express the Lord's ministry and message. Um, Ken Davis once said that he, he wrote a book and he was, he was saying how to, bring, how to bring the word of God to life. And he thought, that makes it sound like it's dead. And so he renamed the book, Who Killed the, Who Killed the Bible People? Bring it to life. Okay. G is uh, the, minister, the, the gift of helps. The divine enablement to accomplish practical and necessary tasks that free up support and meet the needs of others. People with this gift serve behind the scenes wherever needed to support the gifts and ministries of others see tangible and practical things to be done and enjoy doing them. Sense God's purpose and pleasure in meeting everyday responsibilities, attach spiritual value to practical service, enjoy knowing that they are making it possible for others to do what God has called them to do. I got about 15 people I can come to mind that, that do that, so we're just going to let them find that on their own if they didn't already know that. H is hospitality. The divine enablement to care for people by providing fellowship, food, and shelter. People with this gift provide an environment in which people feel valued and cared for, meet new people, and help them feel welcomed, create a safe and comfortable setting where relationships can develop 
Seek ways to connect people together into meaningful relationships, set people at ease in unfamiliar surroundings. Now I want you to think as we're going through some of these, this is really where we talk about some of the, the positions within the church. These are the type of people that need to be filling some of these positions. And that, it, it makes a big difference between whether you're doing a job of you're handing out things or you're opening a door, you're doing just functions, and someone that has a spiritual gift of hospitality that has the ability to make someone feel welcome, to be able to, to engage them, to be able to welcome them, to be able to make them feel at home, to make them feel like they're a guest, there's a difference. And I think that, that huh? She's got that problem? She does. She's got many gifts, because a lot of people draw lines be between these as far as whether they're introverted and extroverted, and that's not at all, and that's what we're going to talk about, personal things too. Okay, uh, Jay is giving. The divine enablement to contribute money and resources to the work of the Lord with cheerfulness and liberality. It doesn't ask how much money do I give, but how much of God's money do I keep? People with this gift manage their finances and limit their lifestyle in order to give as much of their resources as possible, support ministry with sacrificial gifts to advance the kingdom, meet tangible needs that enable spiritual growth to occur and provide resources trusting God for his provision, and they may have a special ability to make money to further God's work. Okay? And generosity is not necessarily confined just to money. I want to I wanna, yeah, we need a lot of those people too, but yeah, we, we need a sound system. So some, some of us with a, with a bass guitar would like to hear himself on a Sunday. Okay, N uh, is intercession. And this is, this is one that I, I, I love, I guess, that, that God has gifted because it is such a rewarding thing to be able to know that, that God's going to use that to be able to bless someone else. Sorry, okay. And the divine enablement to consistently pray on behalf of and for others, seeking frequent and specific results. People with this gift feel compelled to earnestly pray on behalf of someone or some cause, have a daily awareness of, a spirit, of the spiritual battles being waged and pray, are convinced God moves in direct response to prayer, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, whether they understand it or not, uh, exercise authority and power for the protect, protection of others and the equipping of them for service. And let me just, I know I said I wasn't going to go off on a rabbit trail, um, but I'm going to. There is, a, when, when we talk about openness, how open you are to a spiritual gift tends to define what that spiritual gift will manifest itself as. There has been a huge difference in the gift of intercession from prior to six years ago to the last six years and especially the last year. Big difference in that openness and that God's going to be able to develop more because our openness is going to allow him to be able to, be, to, to, to use us in, in more ways. Which is to say that even if you've got this much openness, God's still going to be willing to use it if you're, allowed, if you're willing to let him use it. And if you'll open it back up, he'll use it even more. Okay, Q is mercy. 
and this is probably, a, this is a great one too, the divine enablement to cheerfully and practically help those who are suffering or are in need. People with this gift have compassion that moves them to action, focus on alleviating the sources of pain or discomfort in suffering people, address the needs of the lonely and forgotten, extend love, grace, and dignity to those facing hardships and crisis, serve in difficult and unsightly circumstances, and to do so with joy concerning themselves with individual or social issues that oppress people. Okay, so that's all your academic thoughts for the, for the time. Here are some, some definitions on spiritual gifts overall. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not like cooking and sports, those types of things. They are not the fruits of the Spirit. We are all to have the fruits of the Spirit. That's, that's a matter of, of having the Spirit as we exhibit those fruits. It is not a church position. So just as, just as teaching and you know, shepherding or pastoring and some of the others, they are not church positions. They are not church positions. In other words, when, when we were talking about someone having a gift of hospitality or a gift of helps or whatever else, that is not, this is their job. This is how they express in different places, but that is the divine enablement that God has given them to be able to, to act in different places. It is not a position. We don't say the gift of hospitality is the, the kitchen person and the front door person and this person or that person. It is, it is not a position. Okay, and that's what we're going to get into. Personal style and passion means that there are going to be exercises or ex uh, manifestations of that gift in many different places, and is not it is not confined or restricted to a position. Does that make sense? Okay. And the th and the fourth, it is not Christian disciplines, fasting, prayer, study, tithing. Those are the the, the like the gift of giving is not about tithing. All of us are expected to tithe. It's biblical. God blesses us for us. It is a, is a matter of spiritual discipline itself for, for how we live on a daily basis. It is not a spiritual gift. Okay? Some of the problems I have is breathing while talking. Okay. I have to breathe. Okay. And last week we were talking about serving inter interdependently. By the way, there's a, there's a whole video that goes along with this that we're not doing because it's, it's a little dated by now. As we are serving interdependently with one another, it's important to be able to recognize the gifts of others. It helps build understanding, develop teamwork, and affirm each other. In other words, do you remember when I talked about the, the two different uh, psychological tests one is basically, here's what you are, and here's how to deal with everybody else. We are meant to be interdependent, which is that strengths inventory I was talking about. These are meant to be able to, to come together, and we work together. We, we develop our teamwork together. We affirm each other. We, it builds understanding in the body of the church to be able to do that. Um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12.1, says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. This is probably one of the biggest things that we tend to be ignorant about at times is that we do not recognize we have spiritual gifts, and that's what leads us to places where we are sitting in a pew and believing that that's, that's all that we're good for. 
And it's a, it's a matter of, of spiritual low self-esteem that we think that, that God can't use us for anything else because we're not special enough or we didn't live the right life or we don't have the right education or we don't have the right you know, spiritual background or we can't talk or we can't do this. Whatever it is, that, that's, that's where that, that comes about. That's why we cannot afford to be ignorant about this. Thanks. And that. And let me just say that, that being, in, being in a pastoral position in a church has given a lot of times. This is, this is probably one of my biggest passions. This is about the fourth or fifth time I've taught this, this series, and it's specifically because growing up in a, in a church that is basically you, you had a, a nominations committee, and the nominations committee was figuring out how to f- plug holes. Okay? So, so you had people that did their time. My mother was not a great teacher, and let me just tell you that she could she could follow it. She could follow a lesson plan. She could do the activities that were there. Everything is written out, but my mother did not have a gift for teaching. Just not there. My mother had a gift for gab, <laughs> but other things she had other gifts that she probably never knew were there. And she, along with with five hundred other people that were in the congregation on a given Sunday also did not know that they could have a joyful service in being in places where they were equipped because it was always down to whoever wanted them to plug a hole. And you had very joyless type of, type of activity.
-hmm. and, and too many of us, youth ministry became, this is how you climb the ladder, which is, which is completely not fair to the kids. Let me just say that, because nothing will, st will stifle someone's spiritual growth like having someone that's doing a job in order to get on to something else, who doesn't care that, that the kids are just a stepping stone. And that's probably a good example of you can have a specific passion and be fantastic at it. Teaching at a public school, if someone, you, if someone believes that that is their gift to do that and that's their ministry, they can do it fantastically, but you put them in a church setting and they will flail completely. I, I think that the one thing that really comes in is how many churches are stifled in the fact that they are limited to using people with, with spiritual gifts in positions that already exist. They, 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 when, when we talk about imagining a church, imagine a church using your spiritual gifts in the ways that God leads you to do to be able to expand the ministry of the church that doesn't already exist, to be able to reach people that are already not being reached. The, the, the church only reaches what it is designed to reach. If the church is designed to equip people to continue to, to spread out, the church will, will be designed to expand instead of come in. That makes sense?
you from somewhere. <laughs> right. We, we, we like our, our sheep that wandered into our pasture, so we're, we're, we're very happy, happy for them. I'd mm-hmm. I think this is really, I had Kelly put this up because I apparently didn't look at the front front cover, but this is all about having the right people in the right places for the right reasons at the right time. And this is, this is not limited to, for, for Greg or for Kelly to figure out what positions you can be useful in, but to be able to find, are, there, are, you, are you willing to take all of the information that we're going to have to be able to provide that framework for you to be able to allow God to be able to fill in the picture in here or wherever else that God wants to utilize you. That's really what this comes about, is it is for the church's edification, but if we understand that everyone is a a child of God, the church's borders is what what Wesley would say is the world is my parish. It does not have to be limited to inside of specific walls of the church. It is the the edification of the church, and if we can, uh, I think we use the word permission giving. Greg, Greg, I'm not sure he sees it or, or consciously put it together, but Greg has done a great job of permission giving. He basically has, has had, if, if someone came and said, I have this desire, or he recognized certain gifts or whatever else, he would pass off things that he was controlling or having to do before, and I don't know his life's any easier now than it was before, but perhaps there's a little more release in not having to do everything and allowing other people that, that have specific gifts to be able to fill that. And that really, to the nth degree, is what we ideally want to be able to see, is for people to not necessarily say, well, there's this job and maybe I could do that, but to say, I feel God has done this and this is, this is the gifts I have and this is what God exhibits in me and this is my passion and I want to start this ministry or I want to do this or I want to be out there. I want to take someone's position that doesn't want that position anyway. Amen? And there are certain things that uh, I was teaching. A, um, Greta and I were, were leading a grief group. And at that time, there were people that needed to have that. And unfortunately, COVID got a butt in the middle of that, too. And that is still one of those that, it, that if, I, if I felt like God had specific people, if there was a specific need for it, to bring it all back. The, the information is still in there. The passion is still there. But it doesn't seem like it's something necessarily 
real at this point that, that, is, that is necessary. There are other gifts that, that come in. Okay, I'm going to try to finish this. Recognizing the spiritual gifts of others enables us to affirm their contributions to the ministry. This affirmation edifies them and builds up the church. The true and final test of your spiritual gift comes through the affirmation of the body of Christ. But if no one in the church knows about spiritual gifts, how can anyone be affirmed and edified? That's really the, the crux of this, is we can't afford to be ignorant for ourselves, but we also can't afford to be ignorant for other people as well, because we may be stifling or avoiding recognizing those. Okay? Okay. Let's keep skipping here. Okay. And our reference assessment, we're going to send homework home, okay? These are going to be things for you, for people to also fill out that know you. I would encourage you, find people that know you intimately within a church setting. One can maybe be a spouse, but try to, to bring it to other people. If you have to bring it on Sunday and hand it out, that's fine. Ask them to, to get it back to you or leave it or whatever, but get it to them so that you can get other perspectives within the body of Christ. And it doesn't have to be just this church. If you can find other Christians, others that know you, have them do it. If you have to do it over the phone because they're a thousand miles away, do it over the phone and, and ask them questions and mark down what's there so that you can get their perspective. It doesn't have to be secretive. It will give you clarity as to whether the gifts you've listed on your summary page, because we're going to ask you to do these two. Yours is a lot longer than theirs are. Um, if they are really your spiritual gifts, that's where that affirmation comes it does that by comparing your characteristics to the common characteristics of people known to have that particular spiritual gift. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask a, a quick question. What insight have you gotten, have you, sorry, what insight did you get about, oh, that's next week, never mind. We're probably going to stop for some of this and go back, but we're going to give some general caution just to be able to, to cover this. For many cautions, uh, for many people, the cautions are what convinces them that the spiritual gift is the one they have. And we're going to go over some of these cautions as well in a, in a specific sense that are there. But basically what it comes down to is, are these things that you feel like, like you're, you're testing? And those are the cautions. Are these temptations to do that? That also helps to affirm that, yes, you have that, but these are things where you need to keep that in check. Divide what is what is God's spirit and what is your spirit. Got that? Okay. General cautions for this is each spiritual gift has specific cautions that are also uh, general ones. The first caution is gift projection. When a person projects his or her spiritual gifts on others, the person is saying, "Do as I do." Okay. It's, it's a lot easier, especially with someone that has like a gift of evangelism, to say, well, we all need to evangelize, and all of you need to do it, and why aren't you doing it? Because, you know, do what I do. And it, and it becomes easy for a pastor to have that or to have that, that sense that if he's doing it, he wants company to do it, and that's where we kind of get into projection. Specific roles, specific places, specific time, specific reasons. When we project our gifts on others... We do a great disservice to God and to them. We are not accepting of their spiritual gifts and expect them to serve as we do. There are different gifts given to people by design and grace. 
In other words, you're, you're basically taking, you're, you're putting yourself in a place of saying, of, of God, of saying, you need to do what I, what I want you to do. My gift is important, so therefore you should be doing that same thing, and all the church will be happy if you do it. There's a, there's a comic, well, you know the comic strip of, of Peanuts. Lucy said, the, life would be much easier if you would all just, just admit that I'm right. That's kind of how that gift projection goes. The second caution is gift elevation, and I alluded to that a little bit. I have a more important spiritual gift than you, and that comes in a lot of times when you have things like someone with a gift of prophecy or with a gift of teaching or with a gift of, of, uh, of miracles, uh, the, the you know, uh, gift of knowledge, you know, all word of knowledge, and, and, and comparing it to those who have the gifts of mercy and intercession and hospitality and creative communication and whatever else and vice versa we can we can get in this sorry this sense that one is more important than the other well if it wasn't for the worship team no one would be able to worship and so therefore our gift is more important than anyone else because everyone can raise their hands and they feel that's why they come is because of the because of the music because of our gifts that's garbage each one of us has a, has a specific role in the body of Christ, and that's where, again, we get back to the scripture that says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And that's where this comes, comes in. Elevation. There can be a real temptation to hold our gifts up as being more helpful to the body than other gifts. We may be tempted to magnify the importance of our spiritual gifts and discount the gifts of others. It is important to remember that all the gifts have equal value, even though some have greater visibility. Got that? Each gift makes a unique contribution to the ministry of the church. Each is necessary, as 1 Corinthians 12, 21 tells us, the eye, I see I get, a, I get ahead of myself, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. When we project or elevate our gifts, we cannot glorify God or edify others. I want to lift out the idea. Of, do you remember what, what, who the, who's the head of the, the church? Say that again. God. God even recognizes that our spiritual gifts are important. The head does not say to the body, I don't need you. God uses us, God gives us these gifts in order to accomplish his purposes. And that's, that's probably the, the best example of why not to, to elevate or to, um, what was the other word I used, or project, is that God gives us these in, in submission to the fact that we are to do these things with him. He does not say, well, you're not important enough, I'm God. He comes down, and that's why the, the biggest thing to Christ, to Christ being sent is that we are to be in ministry together. God came down, God among us, God with us. Okay, we're going to close. I've got one story here, and this really hits the, the heart. This is called the animal story, okay? Once upon a time, right after creation, all the animals got together and formed a school. They established a well-rounded curriculum of swimming, running, climbing, and flying. All the animals were required to take all the courses. The duck excelled at swimming. In fact, he was better than the instructor. But he only made passing grades in climbing and was poor in running. 
He was so slow that he had to stay after school to practice running. This caused his web feet to become so badly worn, he became only average in swimming. But average was quite acceptable, so no one worried about it except the duck. The rabbit was at the top of her class in running, but after a while she developed a twitch in her leg from all the time she spent in the water trying to improve her swimming. The squirrel was a peak performer in climbing, but was constantly frustrated in flying class. His body became so worn from all the hard landings he did not do well in climbing and ended up being pretty poor in running. The eagle was a continual problem student. She was constantly disciplined for being a nonconformist. In climbing class, she would always beat everyone to the top of the tree, but insisting on using her own way to get there. Each of the animals has a particular design. When they did what they were designed to do, they excelled. When they tried to operate outside their area of expertise, they were not nearly as effective. Now, let me ask a question. Can ducks run? Well, yes, they can run. Is that what they do best? No. Um, it has been observed that the church is full of running ducks. People are running hard, doing their best, waddling for Jesus, but they are getting tired, frustrated, burned out, and eventually they drop out. Do you know the, do you know the quickest way to get rid of people in, in the church I grew up with? Give them a position they didn't want. Not only would they finish out the time begrudgingly, but they would not come back. <coughs> Excuse me. This is why knowing your spiritual gift is so important, and for others to know their spiritual gifts too. Serving according to your unique, unique design enables you to give your best with enthusiasm and effectiveness. And we started uh, w with talking about Catherine. I don't think Catherine just pulled things out of the air and just did whatever that there was. Catherine was well suited for what she did. And the biggest part was the reason she was well suited for whatever she did is she loved to be of, of service. And that's probably the, the biggest thing that ever comes in is that openness that God will enable gifts at a given time to do specific things because of our openness and willingness to do it. Someone that has no, no, no skills to do certain things will not be hampered by the fact that God's going to use them in a mighty way when they are open to do it. So, okay. We're done with this.